What happens to us after we die? Do we cease to exist? Or do we live on? This may be the biggest question that mankind has ever asked, as well as what this podcast is about. In this show, we will examine past life memories, speak with professional hypnotherapists, astral projection practitioners, psychics, and much more. All in an attempt to decipher this riddle. So welcome to the puzzle. Welcome to the regression session. back to the regression session. My name is Ian. This week we're going to be hearing from Dr. Bruce Koloski and Dr. Koloski is the founder of the nation's largest network of hypnotherapy clinics. He's seen over 60,000 patients over his career, is the past president of the American Board of Hypnotherapy and is recognized as a fellow of the National Board of Hypnotic Anesthesiology. To top it all off, he is the author of 17 books, including the Amazon bestseller, Your Journey Was Never Meant to End, a compelling case for reincarnation. I'm excited for you guys to hear what we talk about. If you want to come on to the podcast to share your experiences with past lives or any metaphysical topic, shoot me an email. My email is theregressionsession at gmail.com. Head on over to my Facebook or my Twitter for some additional content as well as show updates. It's the Regression Session podcast on Facebook and at Regression Session on Twitter. And there's links to those in the description. There's also links to Dr. Koloski's book, Your Journey Was Never Meant to End. So check that out as well. And here is my interview with Dr. Koloski. Hey, Bruce, thanks for coming on to the show. Oh, my pleasure, Ian. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I've been actually really excited to have you come on, to be honest with you. <laughs> and um, if you don't mind, just before we keep on talking, because we were talking before, obviously, just introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your background from your perspective, your qualifications, because it's you've got a pretty impressive bio. Yeah, I'll, I am. Well, thank you very much. I am by trade a clinical hypnotherapist uh, and a past life regression uh, therapist. And uh, I've been doing both for about the same amount of time professionally. Uh, it'll be 44 years in January, as a matter of fact, that I've been doing this. Um, I've got a couple of doctorate degrees. One is in counseling psychology. The other one is in clinical therapy. Um, for the longest time, I uh, uh, worked in behavior modification. And I still do in clinical therapy. Um, I was privileged to create and uh, uh, head the nation's largest network of private hypnotherapy clinics here in uh, um, Southern California, LA, Orange County. We had, um, well, it was 18 clinics, 21 staff therapists at one time. And we principally worked with weight loss and smoking cessation. Just, uh, that's just two most popular. Uh, 
and uh, I always, I always had a passion for past life regression. Uh, I, I got into that years ago, and for me, it's the most fun thing to do. It's, it, it, you get a great connection with your clients when you do this. I got interested, actually, got interested in both about the same time. Uh, I come from a, an aviation uh, uh, family, um, and I'm from Long Island, New York. And um, my father was a fighter pilot during the war, um, in the Second World War. He was stationed in England. He flew P-51 Mustangs. And uh, he taught himself hypnosis. Uh, and I, I, I found some of his books lying around. I was interested in it. I used to watch him. He used to use hypnosis to help his, his students. His, he was a flight instructor after the war, when he got out, to help his students, because we owned, we owned an airport on Long Island, too. And he used to use hypnosis to help his students pass the FAA exams, both the written and the uh, practical, the flight exam. And I used to watch him do it. I got interested in it. And uh, one time I was rummaging through his books and I found a book called The Search for Bridie Murphy. And that was written by an amateur hypnotist by the name of Maury Bernstein back in the, probably at the mid fifties, I believe. And he hypnotized a, a lady who told a story about being uh, having a past life in Ireland as a woman named Bridie Murphy, and she had some incredible detail. And I asked my father about it, and he told me, you know, uh, he talked to me about the theory of reincarnation, and he felt that he was uh, uh, at his, he thought he lived one life as a fighter pilot in the First World War who was shot down over France, and then he came back as a fighter pilot in the Second World War. Well, Coincidentally, he went down in the English Channel in the Second World War, luckily escaped with his life, bailed out as the plane was coming down. So that's how I kind of got interested in past life regression. Um, back then, there were no schools. You know, you learned, you learned at the, the School of Hard Knocks. You taught yourself. And uh, I taught myself. I read books. And, and uh, I, the first person, uh, my first victim was my cousin. He was sitting around having coffee one night. And I said, you want to give it? He was talking about reincarnation. And she knew that I was interested in it. I said, you want to give it a shot? She says, sure, I'll be, I'm game. And um, I just, you know, I, I guess, so, you know, you know what do they say? The, the Lord protects fools. So I, I didn't know what I was doing, but everything came out all right. And I then I got my formal, my formal training, my formal education. So, as I said, I've been doing... Uh, I've done training classes for past life regression, and I wrote a book uh, that uh, luckily uh, got uh, bestseller status on Amazon. It's called Your Journey Was Never Meant to End, The Compelling Case for Reincarnation. Uh, and uh, I, I did it from the perspective of presenting both sides, uh, pros and cons of it. And, um, you know, looking for objective evidence for reincarnation, and there is some out there. There's some, there's some that might be called term scientific um, uh, evidence of it. And that's more or less what how I based my book on. And uh, it was, uh, I, I stayed away a lot from the, from the metaphysics and supposedly I wrote more about practicality in that particular book. And I have a Facebook group of the same name, Your Journey Was Never Meant to End. And uh, I work a lot with uh, with past life regression, reincarnation. There's many there's different types of, re of past life regression sessions, and they're not all the same. Wasn't all not all created equal, and it's fun to work with.
Yeah. And I've, I've actually heard of that book and um, there's another podcast out there that does a really good job of presenting this whole thing of the search of Bridie Mur- for Bridie Murphy. They break it down and they show like, okay, here's, here's the things that were, that were verified. Here's the things that weren't verified, but were stated. And it is really interesting. So for anybody listening, check that book out. Also check out Dr. Koloski's book. Your journey was never meant to end. Um, a link to both of those will be in the description. And now it's it's just so fascinating. The whole entire um, question of hypnotherapy and, and past life regression and looking at it from an evidence point of view. Right. So, because the way that it's like, you can't really have too much hard evidence. You know what I mean? A lot of it is what's the word I'm searching for. It, that's just completely there. That's exactly uh, where a lot of it is anecdotal. anecdotal. Yeah. So I actually have an experience um, where I, I hypnotized my friend and he started describing this tribe in Africa. He started describing their clothing and their culture. Um, he described how they put clay in their hair and on their skin. He described the landscape they lived in, the, their huts. He described how they were a matriarchy and how they were semi-nomadic. And he said that they lived in either um, Namibia or Zambia and all this stuff. And then after the fact, I was like, so what was that about? And he said, I don't know. I have no idea where that came from so we we looked it up and we googled it and we found the exact tribe that he was describing and it the clay in the hair the huts he described the the landscape the they were a matriarchy everything lined up perfectly and that that kind of blew my mind so have you ever had anything like that? oh yes yeah 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 plenty of times uh and uh let me ask you something your friend your friend uh had no uh, knowledge or no remember no memories of having studied this no no because he why would i know this stuff yeah, yeah. and it came from because we've we talked about this and i've talked about this with with a couple other people and it's the only theory that i could come up with to explain it is maybe like psychic influence because there's been some research that's proven that humans have psychic abilities to some degree retrocognition it's called retrocognition that's one of the, there, there are many different explanations for the phenomena that are elicited under a past life regression. That one of them is retroco, retrocognition, where they somehow uh, clairvoyantly perceive these things. Because everything that ever happened is theoretically out there somewhere, like radio waves in the universe. So that may, uh, that's one explanation. The other one is uh, what's called cryptomnesia, is, is, uh, which is, learning something and subsequently forgetting having learned it and where you learned it and then reciting that perhaps under a regression the problem with that the problem is that in many instances just like your friend it is so detailed that i think it stress stresses the bounds of credulity to say that oh no, it was, it, 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 yeah he must have learned it because they become so very very detailed um and you know that's theories of dna uh, and heredity is in our DNA. Again, uh, you have to be, if you can show that may hold water, if you can show that that person is descended uh, genetically from the, from the uh, entity or person past uh, the past life they claim to be. But in most cases, uh, you, you can't. And then, of course, there's uh, the classic, right? We, yes, we do. Our souls do go around. We are energy. 
we go back to the universe and some grand, some the, the grand poobah, big kahuna or whatever, uh, <laughs> uh, directs all of this and puts us back in the, uh, for another go around. Um, but you were asking about, uh, I've had some, yeah, I've had a lot like you, things that, uh, let me give you an example. Okay. One fellow, this was years ago, I was uh, doing a class. He was a, uh, um, and I, I do a group regression with the class, and then um, it was in San Diego, and now the first day, and they come back for the second day training. And he comes back, and he says, you know, Bruce, he says, well, uh, uh, during, that, uh, during the, uh, that session, I saw myself as a physician. He even had a name. I came up with a name, and I was in San Francisco. And the year was 1906, and I was, I was going on a train uh, uh, journey. And he happened to get out of San Francisco the day before the great earthquake of 1906 in San Francisco. His was incredibly detailed. Um, uh, a person, another person was a, um, uh, in, in Wales, in, uh, in the United Kingdom. I guess it was the, um, he found himself in the late part of the 19th century, or was it early part of the 20th century? I forget, there's so many years ago. He had incredible detail about mining operations. He was a he was a he was a coal miner, uh, and uh, he um, uh, very interesting story about. Uh, uh, I led him through what was happening, and there was a cave in, and uh, we talked about that, and uh, I had him explain this. And then he's sitting there, and uh, he's uh, uh, he said, "Oh, the, the canary died," which means that remember these they had canaries in the mines. And they were the first uh, that uh, when the gas was uh, was being emitted from somewhere, natural gas from the earth is being emitted. And I guess canaries uh, are susceptible to that. And when they die, then you know, they'll hey, you're in trouble. You know, the gas is coming up. So I asked him, okay, now what's happening? What are you doing? He says, uh, uh, he said, we're all, going, we're all going to die. I know we're going to die. This is the end. So what's happening now? Describe what's happening. And he says, I'm lighting my pipe which meant that he was committing suicide. As soon as he lit his pipe, boom. And he has some incredible details too. Um, one fellow who really stands out in my mind, he was um, came to me and he didn't come to me for past life. He came to me for, I think, for memory and concentration years ago, some exam. And he was sitting in the chair and squirming around. I says, this is, not, is the chair not comfortable? He said, no, he said, the chair is fine. He said, I just have a back problem. I have a pain in my back. And uh, doctors don't know where it came from. Well, that's interesting. Then he talked about being sus very sus suspicious by nature. He described, he's always looking behind him, always looking, always looking behind. And it, it bordered on paranoia. And uh, I broached, uh, uh, I felt he would be amenable uh, to past life regression, agreeable to that. And I took him back to a lifetime. He ended up in a lifetime in uh, the 1800s in Colorado as a fur trapper. And he was uh, encroaching on uh, uh, Indian land. Uh, so um, they, had a, uh, they had a powwow, him and the, uh, and, uh, the Indians had a powwow at the, uh, on the reservation at the camp. And they, they reached an agreement. They do whatever they do, smoke the peace pipe, I don't know. And then they reached an agreement that he would be allowed to use the, uh, the Indians land uh, to hunt. And as, uh, but there was a, a young whippersnapper renegade Indian who didn't like the white man, didn't like the fact that the 
the elders of the tribe were were making a were making a treaty with the white man. And uh, as he was was this fellow, the trapper was walking to his horse. This young Indian renegade walked up behind him and tomahawked him in the back. He died a horrible death, lingering, long death. And which, uh, but as soon as we we lived there, we experienced that his pain went away. And that, and also that is why he was suspicious by nation. As he said, always looking behind me, always looking behind my back. Of course he would be. He's looking behind him to, to see if someone's sneaking up, getting ready to put a knife in it or a tomahawk in. So there, and, and he went back, we went back. And that was years ago, it was a little bit difficult to do research. It was possible. You had to go to libraries to do your research. Now with Google, it's amazing what you can do. So that's great. Yeah, you, you can find it instantly. Absolutely. And it's, it's you know, when when you have people like that, and I always say this, I, I've said this, I swear I've said this in almost every single episode that I've ever uploaded, but regardless of whether or not it's real, it's still a real experience. Mm. And these people that are experiencing these, um, I don't even call it past life regression anymore. I call it spiritual hypnosis, but the people who are receiving these sessions, they're healing in a in a measurable way their life their quality of life is improving they're feeling safer they're feeling more confident or, or whatever it is and that's powerful that's why past life regression or past life therapy to be more precise will is effective for people who don't even believe in reincarnation because yep. if you like to just look upon it as your subconscious delving into into the mysteries of your psyche there is a, a form of, of um, psychotherapy called psychodrama in, where, in which you will ask your client to impersonate, uh, uh, li- live out your problems by impersonating a, a fictitious personality. You become, and maybe it's, type, it's a type of psychodrama. But then again, when you get details that really your friend with the clay and the, the, the tribe with the clay in the hair, that's um, pretty detailed, and that's something that the average person wouldn't know. That begs the question: Where did that come from? You know what I mean? Where Where did this that information come from? Yeah, and like I said, I, I uh, we talked about the fact it could be cryptomnesia. They learned it, read about it, saw a movie about it, stored it in their mind, forgot where they learned it, and it came up. But then again, you have to say, yeah, but uh, so incredibly detailed. You know, not just talking about something in general, but coming up with with specific and incredible details. Um, they say again, it stretches the, the bounds of credulity. Anything's possible. Or clairvoyance, so, retrocognition. Then again, yeah. well, he was Mormon too. He grew up Mormon too, and he 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 studied like he went to Germany. Mm-hmm. As a um, as a young man on like a mission trip, and so he he was more familiar with like European history than African history. Uh, here's here's another thing that happened with him too. So I don't know. Are you familiar with the concept of spirit guides? Yeah. Have you have you seen them present in any of your sessions at all? I, uh, what I do, I personally have not seen them present, but I have one type of regression that I do called the, the between lives. Uh, some people call it life between lives. Other people call it soul regression uh, between lives. I did one just last night, and we took a, a lady back to a, a. The way I do it is I take them to the lifetime 
most most recent lifetime, the last one just lived. I do a brief overview of that. Then I take them through the death scene. Then I take them into the between life state. And usually they are met by their spirit guide or guides, but they, but they are met by their spirit guide in the afterlife to help them transition. Right. So yeah. And, and I, I actually utilize, cause I look at these, I look at these beings as actual beings and, when I first started doing this, I didn't, and I, I kind of thought of them as like uh, maybe like a, a representation of your own consciousness or, or whatever. But I kind of look at them as as real beings, and I use them in a therapeutic kind of a way. Um, one interesting thing that really happened to me is I'm not going to get into too much detail, but I had a regression done recently where I lived the experience of a young man, and this is going to sound completely insane i'm sure you've heard some pretty crazy stuff like i have but you just gotta gotta say it as it happens right but he got killed by a sasquatch is what happened believe it or not and then the sasquatch was aware of me there and then the sasquatch like psychically quote unquote attacked me so then my spirit guide wrapped me up took me away and then i got this name in my head right and I don't, I'm not going to say the name. I'm going to bleep it out for my audience because I don't feel like I'm supposed to say it. But the name was. OK, and I only told my wife about it. I was like, this isn't this a cool name. It's not like a common name or anything. So fast forward a little bit. I'm doing a regression for this same gentleman, the guy with, with the African tribe. And he goes into this cathedral and I said, OK, was well, there anybody there with you? And he said, yeah, there is. And I said, OK. Um, what do they look like? He said, they have wings. They're floating up in the corner of the cathedral. Um, he has like fangs and a cloak that comes down past his feet. And, uh, he's just staring at me. I said, okay, ask him why he's there. He said, he doesn't know why he's here. And I said, okay, ask him his name. And he said, his name's so. Is that another name for the devil? No, it isn't. No, well, actually, I don't know. I don't think so. I think Beelzebub is. But is the name that I got like impressed into my mind from my spirit guide. And I had actually, as like a little ritual that I do beforehand, I actually asked my spirit guides to show up. Mm. And then he actually told me that was my spirit guide, which was completely crazy, by the way. I actually got, I was shaking, I was shaking up pretty bad when he said, and uh, that was really interesting too, because where did he get that name of my of my spirit guide, quote unquote, spirit guide, whatever you want to call it. And he mm-hmm. said the exact name. It's not a common name. It's, it's just crazy that he was able to come up with that information. Yeah. You know, that, that, you know, that, that might be explicit, uh, explainable through telepathy. Right? Right. It does, although what I have found telepathy does seem to exist in certain people in the hypnotic state, particularly in a, in a past life regression, when you are looking for a fairly deep state, not too deep, but, you know, a, 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 anything between a medium and a deep state of hypnosis. And uh, for some people, telepathy does seem to be present uh, at those times. Yeah. And at this point in his regression, he had just barely gone into the trance, too. Hmm. So it wasn't super, super deep. Yeah. Now, my my next question for you, and this is. You know, you coming from 
a more scientific approach. Uh, I'm going to ask you this because it's something that I've experienced. I don't call it past life regression anymore because of these experiences I've had. Have you ever heard of like um, the concept of uh, simultaneous time or quantum healing hypnosis? Well, yeah, that's two different things. You said simultaneous time. Are you referring to parallel lives? No. That so okay, go ahead. So this healing, they're they're connected in a way. It's it's really complicated. Um, and I've got this from multiple people. It's telling me the same thing. Um, and it's just me talking about you know theories um, or, or whatever. There's no right or wrong answer here, but the simultaneous time is the concept that everything that ever has happened or that is happening or that ever will happen is all happening at the same time. Oh, okay. And then, and then the, the quantum healing is the concept that when we're doing these regressions, we're not just viewing these past lives. We're, we're actually present and it's, it's a really difficult thing to wrap your head around if you have, if you're not used to the concept, but like we're stepping into these lives and, and being present on some kind of a spiritual or quantum level or, or something. I don't even know the word for it, but that's kind of the concept is that you're actually there for these, for these lifetimes and you're with this other life. Have you ever heard of anything like that? Yeah, I've heard of that. That's a particular theory. Uh, simultaneous times can also be thought of, uh, that's an, uh, those are really two different things. The simultaneous times does posit, and um, uh, Einstein believed this. A lot of you quantum physicists believe, and I believe Stephen Hawking was one of them, that um, there is no time as we know it. All, all times exist as one, past, present, and future, all the same. That was, uh, Einstein believed that. And uh, so some believe that you can choose to be reincarnated into the past. That time is not so, if we accept that, then we accept the fact that time is not necessarily linear, one after another. If you, you lived in 1600, then you lived in 1700 and 1800 and so on and so forth. So, um, um, and, and that's the way you reincarnated uh, linearly, I guess it would be, would be would be the term. And some believe that you can reincarnate in the past. You can drop dead today and then choose to come back in uh, in the 1920s or whatever. Yeah, and it gets really, really confusing the more you go down the rabbit hole. Because the, the guy, when I got him deeper into the hypnosis, and I've heard this a couple of times, he was saying that his subconscious was not just his subconscious, but it was a subconscious for like multiple people. It's called the superconscious. Yeah. The Jungian concept of the superconscious that, that it connects uh, everybody. Right. And then that's, that's kind of where these, these experiences are coming from is you're, you're stepping into that uh, uh, pool, like the pool of experiences that has happened and you're pulling from that pool. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, uh, yeah, you're pulling from that pool. It's like a like a radio receiver that has all these bandwidths, and you somehow you, you're connecting with all the bandwidths. And now let's fine tune it and turn the knob, and now we 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 get one station, and that station becomes that that particular line. 
Yeah. And like I said, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just, I just wanted to maybe get your thoughts on it a little bit, see if you've come across it. I think you hit the nail on the head there. As far as we know, there is no right or wrong answer. One of the, uh, the best books I ever read that had to do anything with the past lives or the afterlife, um, maybe some of your listeners know it, is a book called The Afterlife of Billy Fingers uh, by a lady by the name of Annie Kagan. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, Annie Kagan claims that her near duel brother, after he died, his name was the, the nickname was Billy Fingers. And uh, he um, was a thief at times. He was a con artist. He was did all sorts of. He was a drug addict. Okay, and he communicated. He was allowed to communicate with her for uh, several years. And she had conversations, just like we're having conversation here. She had conversations with him, and he told her what it was like in the afterlife. And one of the things he said, and not that I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, was that. Uh, it's stranger than you. It's stranger than you people down there think it is. That we 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 incarnate and reincarnate for reasons that are not they're not fully known to you. It's it's stranger than you could possibly imagine. The, what what the, the universe has in store for us, and what their plans are for us, and why they they do this. We all being human, we we need to know why. We have, we're inquiring what minds want, uh, need to know. This used to be the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the saying, the uh, slogan of the National Enquirer, inquiring minds need to know. And that's human to know that. But we, uh, I guess at some, at some point, we got to realize there's some things that we're not meant to know. Yeah, and I, I kind of, when I first started getting into this, I was out to prove it, right? <laughs> I was out to prove that this is real. We're experiencing real things. I wanted to get evidence. I wanted to get street names. I wanted to get addresses. I wanted to get verifiable details. But the more and more I've moved through this whole journey of, of, of spiritual hypnosis, I have moved away from trying to prove it and just tell people, like I always say, it's still just a real experience, right? You're just, you need to experience that and heal whatever traumas that either are stemming from this past life or that you think are stemming from a past life. Hmm. Indeed. Yeah. Um, people, you know, who say, I, 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 I can't believe that we've lived before. And it's just, you find it hard to believe and to accept that you've lived before. Isn't it just as strange to think that you're limited to one birth and one death? Yeah, Why? Why should we be limited to one birth and one death? Why is it so strange to think that we might have lived before and we will live again? You live in the, you, how many people live in the same house their entire life? They move from house to house. The house, the house is something that we live in. Our body is something that our souls live in for a finite amount of time. Right. It's like a, it sounds weird to talk about it like this, but it's almost like a shell. <laughs> the shell. Exactly. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's really interesting to talk to you because you, you've trained quite a few hypnotherapists as well. Yeah, I have. I have indeed. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and even and as I train them, I also put them through. I well, I, I, I pick people and, and then I demonstrate on them. And, and uh, we've had some interesting things. Oh, like the fans. Here's one for you. Here's a fellow who had a uh, uh, he wanted to be a uh, motivational speaker 
That was his, his dream. One slight problem. He had, a, he, had a, he had a fear of speaking in public. Right? He had stage fright, severe stage fright. Well, that's not going to work for a motivational speaker. So um, demonstrating past life therapy specifically, I took him back to the lifetime that was, re was responsible for his um, uh, phobia, his stage fright. And he, was, he saw himself, he experienced a lifetime in ancient Rome. And he was an announcer for the Colosseum. Now, what the announcer did in the Colosseum was walk out into the middle of the middle of the field right before you know lions started eating Christians and gladiators started dismembering each other. He would get out there and he would read the events of the day. You know, just coming up, the lions eating the Christians, the gladiators killing each other, and uh, that was his job. Well, one day, and he was to uh, read it from a scroll. Some of his uh, uh, some of his friends played a joke on him and gave him the blank scroll. And he walked out there in the middle of the Colosseum. There's 50,000 people out there with whom the emperor. And he opened it up and there was nothing on it. And he froze. He absolutely froze. I mean, I would freeze too. You don't know if the emperor is going to give him the thumbs down. And he, uh, so that was, in his mind, the reason for his... And he went on to become one of the top uh, motivational speakers of the Hispanic market. That's, that's awesome. I love hearing stories like that. And it just goes to show how powerful this stuff can be um, working through these things. Like um, one story that I had is I had a woman who, who like when I was trying to take her into the hypnosis, she felt like she had a problem with like control. She always had to be in control of the situation. And when she wasn't in control, she was um, she would get really, really bad anxiety. Right. Um she couldn't control every little detail of her life basically. And so I took her through this session and the way my favorite method to use is the hallway of mirrors. I don't know yeah. if you're familiar. I, I really, yeah. She got to the hallway and she couldn't move. And there was like a doorway at the end of the hallway that she felt she was supposed to go through, but she couldn't move. So the whole session was just me getting her to take one little baby step after the other one, get oh. into that door and then she opens the door and she's like, I said, don't, don't try to tell me, don't try to tell me what you think is in there. Don't try to make something up. Cause the whole time she was like, let me imagine something that's here. Let me make something up. And I was like, just open the door and tell me your first impressions. She opens the door and she's like, oh, it's just nothing but a sky. I better imagine a floor. And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, no, no, no. Don't imagine a floor. What I need you to do is gather your courage and just step into the sky. That's what I need you to do. I need you to step through this door and step into the sky. And what that's what basically what it did was it helped her to realize that it's okay to surrender that control. You see, because she didn't need, she couldn't create that floor to walk into that sky. And so that was a really powerful realization for her, but for me mostly too. Oh yeah, that's, that's interesting. Sometimes you will have that. Uh, where people don't see anything and it's a blank, then you can use their imagination. You can use the imagination to prime the pump. Um, you know, I grew up on a farm uh, on Long Island. We had Long Island Airport. We had a farm, and we had pumps on water pumps on the farm. And uh, in the old days, the, to get the water to come up, you would pour a pitcher of priming water down the pump, and then you can start pumping, and the water comes up. Well, where a person starts drawing a blank. What, what I do is I will have them imagine something. 
uh, that would be apropos to where I'm, where I have them. Let's say I'm supposed to be, I'm taking them to a, a marketplace. And well, if they don't get a clear independent vision of the marketplace, they can imagine a marketplace from, um, um, from a book, from a movie. Maybe it's a, they saw the movie Casablanca with Humphrey Bogart, and there's a marketplace in, 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 in Casablanca. Imagine that. And, and then you, I tell them, you can, you'll be surprised how often that imagined marketplace will morph into something that is appropriate for where you are. So sometimes the imagination can be used if it's, if it's done correctly. So let me ask you this, this question now. So have you ever heard of the condition of aphantasia or aphantasia? Yeah. But have you ever had any clients with that? Uh, no, where, where, where they can't, um, where they can't talk, right? Yeah. Um, it's where they can't, it's where they can't visualize anything oh, in their head. Visualize. Yeah. Um, okay. What, when that happens before it happens, before it happens, you have to, uh, I tell the person I, you, some people experience visually, other people experience auditorily. In other words, they will hear, and other people will experience um, uh, kinesthetically, which is feeling, feeling in an emotional or a tactile sense. Well, I will. I tell them that not everybody can visualize. Almost most people can to some extent, but not everybody can visualize uh, greatly. And I don't expect them to not to. Uh, Necessarily have a picture clear postcard images of what what they what they're seeing what or what's there. So, um, but I tell them that they can rely on the other senses too. You can hear the experience. You can you can sense it. There can be a knowing, which would be more or less kinesthetic. Right. Yeah, I actually have aphantasia, and that's kind of what happens to me. Is I just kind of say things that I feel are right, but if I say something else than what I feel like I should say. I feel like it would be wrong. So, yeah, I just I just wanted to get your take on that. So my next question for you is this. So there's kind of like an awakening almost. I don't know if, I sh- if, if that's the right word, but there's an explosion of people who are interested in, in doing this, in, in doing uh, past life regressions. Mm-hmm. And my question is, on in your professional opinion, as a trainer of hypnotherapists and your background having doctorate degrees in this, do you think that people should pursue training before just diving into this, kind of like you and I did? Yeah, I, I, I strongly suggest that. And this is why. That's for the same reason that I tell people I don't. Uh, I don't necessarily uh, advocate uh, DIY past life regression. In other words, do it yourself, because for a number of different reasons. But the principal reason is because of the danger of abreaction. And abreaction is 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 uh, uh, defined as an abnormal reaction. An abnormal reaction to the experience. Abnormal reaction to hypnosis. Uh, the last thing you want to have uh, doing is having someone have, have the screaming ninnies. Yeah, not good. Not a good idea. You end up opening Pandora's box and you can do more harm than good. So what the, the value to training 
One of the principal values is not just to learn how to do it, but also to build in appropriate safeguards. Right, right. That is very important. There is no reason why a past life regression has to be traumatic. It can be dramatic without being traumatic. Right. And, you know, I've, I've, I've said this a few times and I've gotten into some arguments with some hypnotherapists about this, about how I think that if you don't know the appropriate way to make people feel protected, because these things can be, these things can be very traumatic. My sister, before I knew what I was doing, and I actually really regret this because I didn't know what I was doing. And I took her into a past life where she relived World War II being stabbed in the chest with a bayonet. And that was horrible. And um, she never wants to do it again. I don't blame her. And, and it's a, it's a danger. It's a real, I, I wouldn't really go as far as necessarily to call it a danger, but it's a risk, you know? And some people have argued with me like, Oh, you don't need, you don't need training. You just have to have good intentions, but good intentions can only get you so far. You're messing. What you're doing is you're messing with people's heads and you're messing with people's emotions. Well, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'll give you an example. Okay, this is this is one lady I worked with last week. Uh, I took her back to a lifetime. I says, "Okay, where are you?" And she just she described the place as you're male or female. She says, "I'm male." Uh, about how old are you? She says, "I'm nine years old." Uh, what do you do? I describe the scene. She's clinging to her mother. She says, uh, "Why are you clinging to your mother? Because they're coming to take me away." And um, turned out she was in Nazi Germany during the war. And they were the, her neighbors, her, her neighbors suspected that the family was Jewish. Uh, the father was not, not Jewish and the mother was Jewish. And uh, the neighbors uh, somehow learned this and they turned them in. And the SS or whatever came and took them away, threw them in the gas chamber. And they were gassed. They died in the gas chamber. So I didn't want her experiencing that. I could, I could have her experience it and remove the emotion and look upon it clinically and dispassionately with no pain, no anxiety. That's one way to do it. But another way to do it is just to, for them to know that it happened. And they do not have to, they do not have to experience the pain. Right. And that's comes. With tra- that comes with it comes with experience, but it comes with training. Yeah, training, so. training is is the fast track to it. Like I really wish, I I did something. I think I had her watch the experience from a third person perspective instead of having to live it. Yeah, you know, you're watching it on a TV screen or a movie. Absolutely. Yeah, it's still traumatized her though, and and I really regret that. But but that's a real risk too. You know, if 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 people don't know what they're doing, they can really really mess people up and traumatize them um and and that's why i always recommend it from a client perspective you need to find someone who who kind of knows what they're doing you know there are many many different safeguards that you can build into into a session and that that's what they need right right yeah and you know you you have the background you have the qualifications and so um, I'm glad that that you agree with me because there's some people out there that were just like, yeah, you don't need, you don't need any training, you don't need to do any of that stuff. When I strongly disagree, and not only that, but like the the biggest argument against past life regression is is the linchpin of you're creating delusions. 
right? If, if you look at it from a strictly materialistic standpoint, there's some people that say that when you're doing these things, you're creating delusions in people's heads. And that's definitely a risk. So, so what's your take on, on that particular? I'm not creating anything. They're the ones who are creating it. They're the ones who are telling me. I'm not a psychic. I don't do past life readings. A, a psychic does a reading on someone and tells them, this is what you are. I take them back and I allow them to experience what they're, what they're meant to experience, what they want to experience. I just guide them. I'm a tour guide is what I am. Basically right. is what I am. I'm a tour guide. I take them back there and then they can see, they can see what they, what they want to see. And uh, I can lead them through that experience. And uh, is it, is it, how do we know it's delusion? How do we know that this is, this is, did not uh, in effect happen? And it's a lifetime. And I believe that your subconscious mind, or if you want to call it the superconscious mind, or your higher self, or the universe, whatever you want to call it, they, they make these things known to you for a reason. They're really only going to give you things that you can handle. It may be difficult at times, but they're only going to give you things that, you, that, that they can handle. That's like saying, well, wait a second. You shouldn't go to the movies. That's total delusion and delusion. Yeah, absence of proof is not necessarily proof of absence. Proof of absence, exactly. Carl Sagan. Well, actually, someone said that before, but he used to use that quote. Yeah, Absence of proof is not proof of absence. Yeah, and yeah, that wraps it up really nicely that thought because yeah I've, I've been trying to get this across i'm just glad i have like the expert of hypnosis here to back me up on this so whoever tried to argue with me you know who and you, you are and you can you can also you can also as as, as another quote you can quote um hamlet who, who uh, i believe uh, in the uh, well, in the play hamlet i believe it was in hamlet where shakespeare wrote there are more things in heaven and earth horatio then I dreamt of in your philosophy. So that's another thing. Yeah, this whole this whole entire thing it just makes me it just makes me think how much we don't actually know. You know. Yeah. No, we, don't know. we don't know what we don't know. That's it. We don't. Yeah, and there, there's some people that um, I actually well, here. I don't know how how you'll feel about this, but I'll I'll tell you about this research project that I'm I'm actually running right now um i've bleeped it out before so i'll probably bleep it out again sorry audience not ready to share it but i'm actually running a research project about if that makes sense that's fascinating it would occur to me uh someone once said that all in all in nature is is a reincarnation a tree lives it dies and it's born again there's another tree the parts are now form another tree so it's all reincarnation. When you talk about opening neural pathways, I've always, I've often wondered, what is it about children who can uh, access, not all of them, but a lot of them access spontaneously access past lives, but then they lose it. But then they lose it when they're six or seven. They they don't remember it anymore. So I've I've wondered, is there an an organ somewhere in our brain? that acts as a receiver for this information. And then as we grow, uh, it, uh, it, it, we no longer need it and it shuts down. It calcifies. You know, some people have posited that it's the pineal gland that, and, that's, and it calcifies 
and it, it um, um, the third eye, that was called the third eye, and it doesn't allow through this particular information that we were privy to when we were younger. Very rare, uh, more children have past, spontaneous past life memories than do adults. And you may, maybe that's what, maybe that's what, as I know, and uh, for myself, when I was younger, I used to have deja vu experiences all the time. I very rarely have them anymore. I'd always have experiences, like knowing during a conversation what that person was going to say. If I know they've said it before. I know I've been here before. But that seems to, that seems to have gone away. And that that brings up a really interesting concept or question. It's it's the question of local consciousness versus non-local consciousness. So, in other words, does your consciousness solely rely reside in your brain, or does it does the source of your consciousness lie outside your brain, and your brain acts as kind of like a receiver, receiver uh, and, and a receptacle? The work has been done by the University of Arizona. I forget the fellow's name who did that. But he sees consciousness as residing in uh, something in the brain called the hypo- microtubules. And that holds your consciousness. And that when you die, these microtubules disperse to the, oh, out there to the universe. And then they coalesce again and come into another brain and those microtubules. Uh, so the begs the question, during a near-death experience, what happens? Maybe those microtubules leave the body and then uh, somewhere, someone's directing it and saying, no, it's not time. You got to get back in there. And then the, they get back into the micro. The consciousness goes back to the microtubules. But there's more work done that was been done at the University of Arizona on that. Yeah, there's been, there's a lot, there's a few universities that have looked into things like this. This is a huge conversation for people who aren't familiar with it. Like what is consciousness and where does it come from? There's the traditional materialist mindset that your consciousness just relies, just resides in your brain. And once we die, it just stops because, and the concept behind that is that, um, you can get brain damage. And when you get brain damage, your personality can change. So that means you're, your your consciousness resides in your brain but then you have to take into account things like remote viewing you have to take into account um like the esp experiments that have been done um and things like that where it's been verified there's even i don't remember which university did it but they did a a study that proves that people can actually sense or tell when you're staring at them even if it's through a camera like they can sense that and it's, it's highly accurate. So that really kind of throws that whole materialist argument into question is like, okay, if, if, if our consciousness is just inside our own head and it goes away after we die, why can all these other weird things that are proven happen? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the research that's been done on uh, NDEs, NDEs, the near-death experience where a person actually can see what's happening in the, in the not only in the operating room but in other rooms in the uh, hospital they died yep. in the hospital yep. or or they floated up and they saw that oh there was a, there, there was a sneaker on the roof of the hospital and uh, it came back they they brought him they brought this person back and he says yeah there's a sneaker up in your up in your room what do you think no no i was up there so they went up they found a sneaker how would he know that yeah exactly how where does that come from? I heard this experiment, not this experiment. It, this woman had a um, an aneurysm that 
hadn't burst, but it was a fairly large aneurysm and they had to do an operation. And basically what they had to do is they, they had to medically kill her and, and show her body down to really, really cold. I think it it was like 50 degrees or something. And I'll try to link this in the description for anyone listening to this. So you can read what happened, but they had to um, monitor her brainwave activity because they needed to make sure that she wasn't going to get brain damage because they had to drain the blood out of her brain very slowly to get this aneurysm to, to shrink, you see. So, so they taped her eyes shut to make sure that she wouldn't get like blinded from the light. And then they had these clicks going into her ears through headphones to, to monitor her brain waves. Cause if you send the clicks, then your brain would have an electrical frequency or, or something like that. And they could monitor that. So they have the documentation showing that, yes, she was actually clinically dead. I think it was for something like 53 minutes. She had no brainwave activity, and they have the records to show that, no, we were sending these clicks into her, into her ears. There was no brain activity, and she floated up, and she described the tools that the doctor used to operate on her. She described the music. She said they were playing Stairway to Heaven. And she thought that that was quite disrespectful because she was dead. And uh, then she went on to have this incredible experience. And the whole argument of um, near-death experience against it is that it's your brain trying to comfort you as you're dying, right? It's your, your brain is trying to comfort you through this process of dying. And so it's a hallucination. But the problem is, is she had no brain activity. And that's probably the single best documented case of of an nde that has proof to show like wait no there was no brainwave activity there Hmm. yeah yeah i heard about that yeah an induced nde is basically what it is yeah and it shocked the doctor too he he was quite shaken up about it as well because this happened quite a while ago yeah Hmm. yeah these are all really interesting questions well we haven't covered it all let me put it that way but we could go on and on and on. This might be the maybe the subject of of, of, of another show. But uh, I, I we've covered a lot of the salient features, and uh, I think a lot of the questions that are in people's minds. Yeah, and so uh, do you want to like talk about your website and your and your Facebook page, and just mention your book one more time yeah. so that people can the, the, the web the uh, the uh, uh, Facebook page a group, not a page, not not a page, is a group. Uh, your journey was never, your journey was never meant to end. And uh, we do, uh, it's not as evidence, uh, uh, as rigorous as some, some one of the other groups, which I will mention, but, it, and it does uh, allow more esoteric content. Uh, but we do, we do try to keep it uh, whenever possible evidence-based. And uh, then the, the book is Your Journey Was Never Meant to End, a compelling case for reincarnation. So the, the, basically, the the, uh, the group and the book has shared the same name, and the uh, website is drkoloski.com. That's simple. My name, it, it, uh, doctor is spelled out D O C T O R. Koloski is spelled K A L O S K I dot com, and they'll get a good grounding in uh, past life regression. That's wonderful. And the question I always ask, the million dollar question is, do you have a message that you'd like to leave for my listeners? Yes. Yes. Always remember and never forget. Live each and every day as if it were your last. Because someday you'll be right. (laughs) Yeah, that's perfect. That's wonderful. Well, 
I can't I can't thank you enough for coming on to my show, Bruce. That, that was my pleasure. You enjoyed it immensely. That's it for today's episode. I'd like to thank Dr. Koloski for coming onto the show, and I would also like to thank you for tuning in. Like I said before, head on over to my Facebook or my Twitter to get some show updates and some additional content. Just so everybody knows, my Christmas episode is going to come out on Christmas Eve. So that means it's going to be a couple days early so that everybody has a chance to listen to it. It's going to be called A Pagan Christmas. So look forward to that on Christmas Eve. I'm going to put all the updates on my Facebook and my Twitter. So head on over there. If you like the show, I'd appreciate you subscribing in your podcast player and sharing the show around with anyone you think might be interested or even someone who you think would be interested in coming onto the show. If you're interested in coming onto the podcast and talking with me about your experiences, send me an email. My email is theregressionsession at gmail.com and I would love to have you on the show. Oh,